0: Good morning, Brinesburg. It is good to see you this morning, and I know that I always tease you about on fall break, uh, kind of being a mass exodus. But you've done good today. What a good crowd we've got! Great crowd in the choir. You know, we feel blessed to be here together once again for the purpose, the sole purpose of worshiping our risen Savior Jesus Christ and so for those of you that are joining us through television or Facebook live and I know we may have some of our church family that is joining us on Facebook live this morning we want to welcome you glad you're with us today and, and those, those of you there online let us know your name let us know who's joining us in that way this morning we're very glad to have you uh, together this morning in this particular way for those of you this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg here in our worship center we want to welcome you as well and if you will, grab that card in front of you in the pew. If it's not right in front of you, scoot down. I bet there's one just down the pew from you. Grab that and fill it out. And if you will, place that in the offering plate that is on the large round table in the foyer as you leave this morning. And helps us to know of your attendance. Uh, but more important to us, helps us to have an opportunity to be able to connect with you and be able to pray for you and for your family. And so a lot going on this week. I hope that you've looked at your bulletin. And you see those things that are pertaining to you and to your family. Uh, I would want to dr- bring your attention uh, to the Hurricane uh, Ian, a uh, little uh, flyer here. If you're wanting to give, I suggest that you give in this way. Uh, as we give through Send Relief, that is Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. Uh, that's the quickest way to get your money on the ground to the people who need it right now. Uh, we don't really have red tape at Southern Baptist. The money just goes, and we uh, we meet the needs. There'll be put people there with shower trailers. They'll be there with uh, cooking trailers. They'll be there with chainsaw units and mud out units. So um, you know that as you give, that that money is going to get to them as quick as possible, and it's 100 percent of what you give there is going to go straight to them. Uh, we we deal with all of the overhead uh, through the cooperative program, and so everything you give through there is going to go 100% to those folks, and so I suggest that you give in that way, and it'll be a wonderful way for you to meet the needs uh, that are being experienced both in Florida and in the Carolinas right now.
1: Um,
0: Also want to remind you of a couple things tonight. uh, Our church family, membership of Brownsburg Baptist Church, will be uh, uh, having the Lord's Supper, and uh, we'll uh, be doing that at 6 o'clock, and so we invite you to be a part of that as, ch- as church membership. And then next Sunday night, um, our service at 6 o'clock will be over in the activity center as we'll be having our annual soup kitchen uh, for our world hunger emphasis. And so uh, we'll have what would traditionally be what a what a person in, uh, in need would have at a soup kitchen and seeing how those needs are met in those types of places, and then we'll have our program for world hunger in there as well and so um, always always kind of eye-opening to think about uh the fact that hunger is right here it's it's in our backyard it's right here in marshall county and we'll be talking about how we're meeting those needs right here in our own community uh, throughout our state our nation and literally how we're able to then help folks uh, throughout the world and there would be an opportunity for you to then give towards that world hunger offering as well I also want to remind you of our fall revival coming up, the 16th through the 19th with uh, Brother Wes Fowler. He is the pastor, senior pastor over at first baptist mayfield and if there's any church that knows what we've been through since december 10th it is certainly first baptist mayfield because they've been through it in a greater way than we've experienced it even and so um, continuing to pray for our friends and our brothers and sisters in christ there in mayfield and he's going to be coming and sharing with us and and sharing a little bit of what they've experienced and and the hope that comes through the gospel and so bring family, bring friends. I know it'll be an encouragement time, especially for folks living right here in this community, uh, to hear from somebody who's been right in the middle of ground zero and experienced what we've experienced over the last few months. Um, do want to remind you that Sunday night of revival, October 16th, that night, that Sunday night, we will be having a finger food fellowship uh, following the service. So that. Depends on you bringing finger foods for us to have a great fellowship, okay? Uh, the rest of the nights are going to be catered, but that night we do want you to bring. And then Monday night will be for our youth, and we'll have a meal for them at 6 o'clock. Tuesday night will be a, a churchwide catered meal at 6 o'clock. And then on Wednesday night will be kids' night, and there will be a catered meal for them at 6 o'clock. So a lot going on, but that Sunday night, that's the night that we need you to bring stuff. And so please try to remember that uh, coming up on the 16th. Also want to remind our students that on the 16th, that morning, uh, right after our morning worship service on the 16th, they'll be going to Judgment House and uh, remind them of that important date as well. Again, we continue to need your help uh, with fall harvest coming up and uh, needing to bring in candy. You sign up for uh, those things that you're willing to work, and that is over in, that is in uh, uh, the foyer, the sign-up sheet. And so please let us know. Uh, that is going to be here before you know it. So a lot going on. Make sure that you read your bulletin and see those things that pertain to you and to your family. Again, we have many on our prayer list. I'm sure that you've added others uh, during the Sunday school hour, as our class did. I know your class has done as well, and so certainly want to remember those needs and these as well. Uh, But most importantly this morning, we pray for the lost. We pray for those this morning that do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray the Lord might give us the opportunity, even in the coming week, to be able to share with them. I was blessed this morning to have a phone call of one that came to know Christ, and you're hopefully going to get to hear about that uh, next week. They're they're not here this morning, uh, not able to be here today, uh, but I believe you're going to be able to hear about that next week. And so just continuing to rejoice in the way the Lord continues to save lost souls. He continues to do that greatest miracle of all, of uh, taking people from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so uh, let's pray for all these needs this morning as we go to Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for how good you are to us. Lord, in the days when things are all going well, Lord, we rejoice. But also in the days when there is difficulty and there is strife and and there is hurt and there is pain, Lord, we praise you because you are there. And Lord, we recognize that you are bigger than any of the situations and circumstances and, and pains of this life, Lord, that you are greater. And so, Lord, whatever the needs may be this morning, whether we've come in with a physical need in our body or in the life of a family member or a friend lord we know that you're the great physician and lord you can meet us at the point of our need whether it be a financial need the loss of a job lord a downturn and and being able to pay our bills lord you are the great provider lord whether it be a situation of a broken relationship you're the god uh, of reconciliation but most importantly lord we know that you are the god who saves and so lord as we come together And we think about the spouse, the child, the grandchild, the brother, the sister, the best friend, the coworker, the classmate that you've placed on our heart who is lost. Lord, we know that you are still the God who saves. And so, Lord, we continue to lift up their name to you. We continue to lift them up, Lord, that you would help them to recognize their sin and their great need for a relationship with you. And I pray that even today, even as we sing, even as we pray, even as your word is proclaimed, Lord, that you are convicting hearts this morning. And if there's anyone here, if there's anyone watching on television, if there's anyone watching on Facebook Live, and they do not yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day that they would give their heart and their life over to you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Sing this song. Jesus. Jesus. Just the ladies singing.
0: This morning as we come to this time of, of prayer here at the altar, I know that many of us may have brought in a situation, a circumstance, a need on our heart that may be consuming everything that we're thinking about today. Because uh, it, it does. It's, it's something that's come into our life and it's, it's big. It's major. And we need to lay that down. We need to lay that down at the foot of the cross and give it over to the Lord and trust Him with it today. Maybe it is a health need, maybe it's a financial need, maybe it's that individual that you know needs to be saved. And that's a burden on your heart, and you need to give it over to the Lord today and trust Him with it. If that's the need in your heart today, I invite you here in just a moment to come to this altar and just spend some time alone with the Lord. If you want to bring a family member or a friend with you and and pray together, there's just something special about us coming to an altar and knowing that it's just us and the Lord and knowing that the Lord meets us there and that He meets our every need. And that we can truly trust him with every situation and circumstance of this life. So if every head bow with all eyes closed, let's go to the Lord together at this time. as we come together this morning we thank you that God you know the pain that we experience in this life Lord it is not foreign to you because Lord you chose 2,000 years ago to put on flesh and to come and to dwell among us and you experienced everything that we've experienced but Lord you did it without a single sin and so Lord when we struggle Lord, you know the struggles. When we hurt, you know the hurts. And so, Lord, this morning we do lift up the needs of our hearts to you, recognizing that if no one else in this world understands what we're experiencing, Lord, that you do. And that, Lord, you are the God who not only hears, not only cares, but Lord, you're the God who can change the situation and circumstances of our life. Because you truly can meet us at the point of our need. And so, Lord, whether it is the storm that has calmed or whether it is our heart in the midst of the storm that has calmed, Lord, we thank you for meeting our need in exactly the way that we need it met. We thank you for being the God who cares. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen. Let's give God the glory for all the things he's done for us. Would you stand with me, please? To God, the glory, it says, for the great things he has done. To God. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne. It's only by your blood And it's only through your mercy Lord, I come I bring an offering of worship to my King No one on earth deserves the praises that I see Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne, before the Holy One of heaven. It's only by your blood and it's only through your mercy, Lord, I i bring an offering of worship to my king no one on earth deserves the praises that i see jesus may you receive the honor that you're due oh lord i bring an offering to you i bring offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. O oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. praises that i sing jesus may you receive the honor that you're due oh lord i bring an offering to you oh lord i bring
0: on. There we go. All right. Thank you, Brother Rockney, for uh, that special music. It's been a good day of worship. We've been singing out and uh, praise the Lord for the time that the Lord has given us to spend in his word this morning. This morning, we're going to start a second journey uh, through the book of Genesis. Now, for those of you, I know some of you like to take notes and kind of a in a sense, and I like to kind of keep it in order. Just for your information, this one will get interrupted a few times. Uh, I know that it will get interrupted at Christmas, and I know it's going to get interrupted uh, during uh, uh, the, the time leading up to Resurrection Sunday for a few weeks. And so just be mindful of that. Uh, but we are going to kind of stick here in Genesis for the next little bit. And we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. And so this morning, that should be a pretty easy spot for you to find in your Bibles, all right? It comes right after table of contents, okay? So uh, looking forward to that being a little bit easier turn of the page for you this morning. But Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and as you are turning there in your Bibles, let's go together to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for just the opportunity to come into worship. Thank you For the opportunity to lift up our voices and our hearts to you and to sing about who you are and what you have done and your promises that you've made. Lord, to be able to to spend time in prayer and to know that you hear us, to know that you respond to us. And Lord, so thankful for your word. Lord, we're going to talk about today a little bit about the fact that creation itself points to you. Creation itself points to the fact there is a creator. Uh, And so just a general revelation of, of, of yourself through creation we know there's an intelligent designer we know that there's somebody greater than us but lord you have given us special revelation you have given us your very word and because we have your very word not only do we know that there is a designer not only do we know that there is a god but we know who he is and we know what his plan is and we know what what it means to be in relationship to you lord thank you thank you for that great work that you've done and so lord today as we kind of lay out the beginning of, of this study through the book of Revelation, I pray that it would be a great um, foundation for us to lay for the understanding of the rest of Scripture. And Lord, I pray that if there's even one today that doesn't yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day that they would come into a relationship with you, that today would be the day that they would recognize their sin and their great need for a relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, creator of heaven and earth. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. Lord, I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard this morning. for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, 12 years ago, um, I came to be a pastor in, in March of 2010. And as I kind of look back, it looks like we began the series in Genesis sometime around November uh, of that year. And uh, so, in, in that sense... You know, it's been about 12 years since we went through the the book of Genesis together. And as I look around, I am seeing several faces that were not here uh, 12 years ago. And you're new to our church family. Uh, And and maybe you're not all that new because you could have been here a decade and you still wouldn't have been here when we went through this study the first time. But I also recognize something else. There may be a couple of you that don't remember every point of every sermon. All right? You may not remember every point. So uh, I want to make sure that we go through the book of Genesis because it is foundational. It is foundational to everything else in Scripture. And so understanding the great importance of the book of Genesis, I feel like it's prudent for us to begin a second journey through this great book. And like we did 12 years ago, I want us to begin at the beginning. I want us to begin in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And so in doing that, just as a bit of introduction, I want to remind you of a few points about Genesis. Remember, Genesis means origins. And so introduced here in the book of Genesis is the introduction to the Pentateuch, which is the basic reminder of of what the history of of the Jewish people is, and the history of the church is, really. We see that in the Pentateuch. And so if you talk to unbelievers as well, you will find that the book of of Genesis is the book of the Bible that oftentimes unbelievers will be the most familiar with. They may not agree with it, but they may be more familiar with the book of Genesis than any other book. People outside the church are familiar with concepts that are laid out in the book of Genesis, even if they don't agree with them. In fact, we see just in popular culture, um, in Hollywood, on Broadway, They take concepts that are found here in the book of Genesis, oftentimes not things that we would agree with in the way that they kind of frame it, but they take those basic concepts that come from the book of Genesis and they'll make a movie, they'll make a play, they'll write a book based on these things. And so just the average person on the street will be somewhat familiar with the creation of the world that is found here in the book of Genesis. Again, they may not agree with it, but at least they're familiar with what you're talking about they would be familiar with the Garden of Eden. They'll be familiar with uh, Adam and Eve. they would be familiar with the idea uh, of, of the taking of the fruit and the serpent and temptation. They, they're familiar with some of those concepts. Uh, certainly familiar with, with Noah and the flood. Again, they may not agree with it, um, but they're familiar with it. And in fact, there's just here recently in this last decade or so, several different movies and, and adaptations. Again, we probably wouldn't agree with most of those. But it comes from the basic idea of Noah and the flood. Uh, Be familiar with Abraham and who Abraham is. Uh, Many people can kind of relate to the fact that many of the issues in the Middle East right now are traced back um, to to the time of Abraham. When we think about Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, we we talk about an evil city. We talk about an evil place and people say it's, it's a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, sometimes when people talk about Las Vegas or they talk about a big city like New York or, or L.A. or other places like that, they'll say it's a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah because of the kind of things that are going on there. They mean there's wickedness. They mean there's sin in those places, even if they don't know exactly what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and certainly with, with Joseph and the coat of, of many colors, uh, you know, even Dolly Parton, you know, we kind of think about that, that coat of many colors. It makes us think back to Joseph. Uh, We we think about that Broadway musical. Again, we wouldn't agree with everything there, but but people are are familiar with these concepts. And so probably the creation narrative, though, will be the greatest place of debate when it comes to what we know to be truth and what popular culture believes. This This creation narrative is where you probably get the greatest amount of pushback. It's important to note that the creation of the earth and the whole universe, though, is, is not the most important point that is made in the book of Genesis. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we think, well, the most important thing is, is, is the creation narrative. That's the most important thing that we pull out of the book of Genesis. It is most certainly not. Rather, the main point of Genesis, like all of Scripture, the main point of Genesis is the introduction of God's plan from all of eternity to receive glory by saving lost sinners through the sacrificial atoning work of His Son, Jesus Christ. The cross is presented to us first in Genesis. God gives us the plan of what He's going to do to rescue us in Genesis. And so there are many in the scientific community. Who would like to question the details of Genesis? However, the details of Genesis have never been disproven. Rather, they are continually backed up by new scientific discovery. Oh, wait a minute. What the Bible said there does end up being true. Oh, what the Bible said there, it does end up being true. While the theories of men of how the world existed out of nothing with no design are continually having to be changed as they are disproven time and time again. So the writer to the Hebrews, in he- Hebrews chapter eleven verse three says, "Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear." Evolutionists say that life arose as a result of spontaneous generation. That is, that all that we know began as inorganic matter or as a prebiotic soup, a a puddle of green slime is what they would kind of be talking about. And so they would say that at some time in in the very distant past, there was a flash of lightning. It hit this particular puddle of scum. No explanation of where the scum came from or where the lightning came from. That's for another discussion, I guess. But lightning hits this puddle of scum. And suddenly, a one cell organism began. And out of that one-celled organism, after billions of years, came human beings. So, why would intelligent people believe that? Why would intelligent people believe that everything came out of a puddle of scum and a lightning bolt? It really requires more blind faith in the imagination of man to go from that explanation to created order of the universe than it does to understand there's an intelligent designer and he is our God and he loves us and that he is eternal. And so on Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday nights this year, our, our student ministry has been learning about how to defend their faith, how to defend their faith through educated explanations of why they believe what they believe, and so. They've been able to go through several different points thus far just in the, in the month of, of September. But it's understanding that we don't, as Christians, have blind faith. We have an educated faith. There are reasons why we believe what we believe, and it comes from scientific discovery. It comes from what the world and the universe shows us to be true. And it all points back to an intelligent designer God, meaning that creation itself is one of the ways that we defend our faith. And so think about what God has done in the creation of our world and of our universe. Ninety-three million miles from the blistering surface of the Sun hangs the planet Earth. It's a rotating sphere suspended there in the universe, the ultimate creation from an intimate, from, a, from an infinite mind, an unbelievable, intrinsic, complex design that is there, a supernatural testimony. An irrefutable sign that there is a God. The size, the position, the angle of the earth, they're all scientific phenomenon. Notice just a few degrees closer to the sun and we would disintegrate from the heat a few degrees further and we would freeze. The axis of the earth is tilted at a perfect 23 degree angle. And that's no no mistake. There's a reason for that. It allows the equal global distribution to the rays of the sun, making it possible for the food chain to exist. Or, for example, take the combination of nitrogen and oxygen in the atmosphere that we breathe every day. It just happens to be the exact mix that life needs in order to prosper. It doesn't happen on any other planet that way. And that's what we're finding. That's why it's it's so hard for us to go to the moon and, and stay very long. That's why it's so hard for us to go to Mars and stay very long because God created this earth, this place, to be the perfect place for us, to be our home. You see, the Bible says the invisible things of God are clearly seen through his creation. To believe this is not a hard thing. It's logical. It is logical to conclude that God just makes more sense. You just go with cause and effect and you can see that it just makes more sense to understand that God is the one that is responsible for all that we see here in this world. If there is a design, then there is a designer, right? If there is a complex design, then there had to have been a designer. If there's a plan, then there had to be a planner. If there's a miracle then there is a God. If there's hope, then there is light. If there is an answer to all answers, there must be an absolute truth. See, there is a flame that burns in the night, and I know that there is a God because everything points to Him. The Scripture says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. And so if we will just allow our minds to drink in all the truth that just surrounds us, then creation itself will help us to understand that God is screaming, I am here, and I love you, and I have a plan for you to know me. And that's what we find here at the very beginning of the book of Genesis. So if you will this morning, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, and it is going to be just one verse, but it sure is a powerful verse. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. God created the heaven and the earth. Amen. You can be seated. So why believe God's explanation for creation? Why believe God's explanation of creation? Because one, it makes sense because it is the truth. It makes sense because it is the truth. Those four words are some of the most powerful words in Scripture. In the beginning, God. These four words teach us profound theological truth. Moses is the author of Genesis, meaning he's the one who penned it. God gave him the inspiration to pen these exact words, these exact ways, uh, without any error. And so Moses, the author, does not spend any time arguing about the existence of God because Moses assumed that the existence of God was an elementary truth that even children understood. Moses does not spend time here explaining what God is like in person or or how he works, which will be explained at length throughout the remainder of the book. But here he just simply says, in the beginning, God. Why? Because only a fool would question the existence of God in a a serious way, actually believing that there is no God. Those that want to question God in our culture today are most often those who simply do not want to believe that there is a God because they are under the lordship of their own sinful desires. And so I don't want there to be a God because if there is a God, there's a problem in my life. And they don't want to deal with that. They don't. They don't. They don't so much not believe in God as they just simply don't want to think about him because it causes them to be convicted of their sins. And so the honest man, even if he's an unbeliever, even if he doesn't have a relationship with Christ, the honest man in his heart of hearts knows that there is a God, even if he is not willing to bow the knee to him yet. Everything points to the fact that there is a God. So Moses begins with that basic understanding the basic understanding that all men know there is a God. Now Moses begins to explain who this God is by telling us about what he has done. So so who is God? Well, God is eternal while man is finite. So God is not like us in that he has no beginning. And he has no end. Now, we have a beginning, but every human being has no end. Every one of us will spend an eternity in one of two options. Either have a relationship with Christ, repent of your sins, trust him by faith, and spend an eternity with him in heaven. Or reject him, choose to not believe in Christ, choose to say no to him and you will spend an eternity in a place that the Bible calls hell. But we have a beginning, but we our, our eternal existence will be in one of those two places. God, however, is eternal both in the past and for now and into the future. No beginning, no end. So God does not have to explain his origin because there is no origin to the eternal. God is creator, period. He has no equal. He is God. So man is finite. We are created beings. We have a beginning. We have, we have a physical end on this earth. Our physical bodies are born. Our physical bodies die. And so we were created by an eternal God who has a plan and he has a purpose for everything that he has created. And that leads us to the second point. Why believe in, in, in God's creation? Why believe in what God has told us? But secondly, it makes sense because the alternative is ridiculous. The alternative is ridiculous. Have you ever thought about the alternative? Our beginning was a creative act of God, not some impossible accident. Scientists want to argue that the earth is billions of years old and that it took that long for us to evolve up to who we are today. Science must bend itself into a pretzel, to try to find a way to get from nothing to everything. Science would greatly benefit from simply accepting the truth of intelligent creation and could then begin to understand the world and the universe around us in a much greater way by understanding God said, okay, well, I've already told you how all this started. Now you can better understand it. But we don't want to trust God. We don't want to believe God. Instead of accepting the truth, evolutionists want to accept the impossible that the key chaotic became orderly by accident, okay? So the nothingness that was in a chaotic way became the everything in an orderly fashion that is today. That makes no sense. Okay, well, it doesn't make any sense. Well, well here, here, as scientists, here's, a, here's our explanation. Billions of years. Billions of years will be our explanation of how the chaotic nothing became the orderly everything. We'll just say it's billions of years. They use billions of years because who can argue with something that happened billions of years ago? There's no way to see, there's no way to know, no, nobody could tell us what happened billions of years ago. So we'll just say that it happened billions of years ago. They want to claim that the length of time allows the impossible of scum to intelligent human life to be possible. The problem is the world is becoming more chaotic, not more orderly. Things do not go from chaos to order. They go from order to chaos. Just look around us. How many of you have children or grandchildren? Things go from order to chaos, don't they? Have you ever cleaned up a six-year-old's room? And it's in perfect order. And then they go in and what happens? Chaos. Chaos is what happens, but we do not go from something that is completely chaotic and without some kind of design, without some kind of plan, go to order. And so we do not see tadpoles today becoming mammals that then, thousands of years later, become primates and then thousands of years later, become gener- uh, generations later, become humans. We don't see that. We, think, we see things that are orderly, th- things that uh, are, are right becoming less orderly. Diseases, cancers, those types of things that are ripping apart the rightness of creation. And that's, we see, we'll see, because of sin, because of, of sin entering in, that we have these problems. Well, we see the world that has greater and greater problems every generation. We don't see greater and greater order every generation. So God's creation... Is thousands, it's not millions, certainly not billions of years old. God created everything he is in six consecutive 24-hour days. You say, how is that possible? Because God did it, not man. God did it. The evening and the morning, he says. What do you mean by evening and morning? He means 24 hours. He was trying to make it clear to us it was 24 hours. The evening and the morning, just as you have an evening and a morning... The first day, the evening and the morning, the second day, the evening and the morning, the third day, the evening and the morning. He says it every time. The Bible does not support an earth that's any more than 10,000 years old. Because God created out of nothing. And then there was everything. Because it was intelligent, it was designed. A creator had a plan and he made it happen. A group of scientists came to a pastor who preached extensively on God as the creator of the universe. And they began to question him and they began to challenge him. And they said, Well, Pastor, what would you say if we were to create life out of that dirt over there? Wouldn't that make us gods, according to your preaching and, and your teaching? And the pastor very calmly said, No, you'd have to make your own dirt out of nothing. Try that, my friends. And that's the truth. And that leads me to the third point this morning. Why believe God? And what he's told us about creation. Because it makes sense because only God can create out of nothing. It makes sense because only God can create out of nothing. The fifth word there is also important. In the beginning, God created. God created. In the beginning, God created. All God needed was his word, and he simply spoke creation into existence. How many of you can do that? Don't raise your hand, you can't. You can't. Now, my children will tell you that their father is not the most creative man on earth, okay? I have some children that are very artistic and can do things that I can't do. But if I were to try, if I were to try to paint a picture what would I need? If I were to paint a picture, I would need paint. I would need uh, colored pencils, markers, crayons. I'd need chalk. Uh, I would need, uh, what other things could you use? Charcoal, I guess, if you're really artistic. I would need those things, but then I'd also need a canvas. I would need a wall. I would need a sidewalk. I would need something to paint or draw on. I can't just speak it into existence. If I were to want to mold a sculpture, I would need clay, or I would need a rock, or I would need ice. I would need something to sculpt. I can't just speak it into existence. How about this one? Robin and I, our, our marriage is very strong, so we felt like we could build a house together. Um, anybody who's been through that? <clears throat> she only kicked me out of the house a couple times during that time, but During that period of time, oh, how I would love to have spoken into existence. (laughs) Because we chose to build a house during COVID. That was the worst thing you could possibly do, but we did it. But to build that house, I didn't just speak it into existence. It required lumber and nails and blocks and bricks and mortar and carpet and wiring. Oh, good grief, so many other decisions. But those things had to be there or it couldn't become a house right now right now in our own community in Mayfield and in Dawson Springs and so many places here in Western Kentucky as well as right now right now in Florida and in the Carolinas there are so many people who have lost their homes and their businesses us in December 10th from the tornado our friends to the southeast because of Hurricane Ian and I'm a part of the disaster relief here in the county. And we would love nothing more than to put every single one of those families back in their home. Whole and happy and and together once again in their own home. But as much as we'd like to do that, we cannot speak it into existence. There are limitations because right now there's limitations on supplies. We'd love to get things done. We don't have the supply line. We don't have the materials coming in. But also financially, we don't have infinite amount of money to be able to meet those needs but those are things that are needed we need money to buy the supplies and we need the supplies on hand in order to build that which is needed for those people to have their homes we can't speak it into existence as much as we wish we could however God is different John 1 1 through 3 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Understand that as we talk about God, we're talking about the triune Godhead of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. It is that triune God who is the agent of all creation. Again, God has no beginning. The beginning spoken of here is the beginning of our known universe, of of when God spoke it. That's the beginning we're talking about, not the beginning of God. This is the birth of the known universe. And so out of the immaterial, out of nothing, in an instant because of his creation, because of his uh, planning, because of his intelligent design, the universe with all of its space and all of its matter is made in that instant by the decree of God. The universe, at least its energy and its mass, began to exist in some form at that point in time. When God spoke it into existence. In the beginning, God had a plan for salvation. That's what we also need to understand here in Genesis 1, 1. That in the beginning, that not only did God create the heaven and the earth, but God had a plan. He had a plan for salvation. It'll take us till Genesis 3. The fall of man in Genesis 3 to understand all of this but in Genesis 3 that's not taking God by surprise when man chooses to rebel and sin against him God was not taken by surprise in Genesis chapter 3 God's plan of salvation is from eternity past before the creation of the world Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 and all that dwelleth Upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. In the mind of God, in his infinite mind, Jesus Christ had already been crucified and resurrected before anything was created. Any man, woman, boy, or girl who has ever been saved has been saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon the cross of Calvary. But because it happened before the foundation of the world was laid in the mind of God. God knew that that we would sin. God knew that we would rebel. God knew that we would need to be rescued. God knew that it would cost him the life of his own precious son. But he created us anyway. God chose still to create man in his image and in his likeness. God still chose to allow us to have a relationship with him. God is still offering that relationship to men and women, boys and girls this morning. God, before the creation of the earth, before anything was done, had a plan of salvation, a plan for you. I'm so thankful for the truth that in the beginning, God, rather than in the beginning, scum and lightning and boom, Because God just makes more sense. You see, in the beginning, God just makes more sense because it's the truth. God creates not simply heaven and earth, but a way of salvation that is offered to you and me this morning. And I'm so thankful here at Brinesburg that I know many of you this morning do have that relationship with Christ. You've understood the reality that God is real and he loves you and that he desires a relationship with you and you've repented of your sin and you have placed your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary and you have forever been changed by that relationship with him because you've encountered the one who created everything and you've realized that he loves you in a personal way. However, some of you this morning, some of you who are young, some of you who are old, Some of you this morning still have not accepted the Lord's invitation to come into a personal love relationship with Him. For some of you, that's still not a reality in your life. You know there is a God, you know that. You're no fool, you know there's a God. You know that Jesus loves you. You know that Jesus died for you, don't you? You're not a fool, you know those things. You know the facts, you know them in your head, you know it to be true but you have not allowed it to enter into your heart yet. You've not allowed it to penetrate your heart. This morning I invite you to come and to recognize that the God who created heaven and earth also loves you and has a plan for the salvation of your life. But you must repent of your sin and you must trust him for your salvation. Because you know what? It just makes sense. Because it's the truth. Because there is no other way. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. Jesus says there is no other way than a relationship with him. Would you come this morning? Would you say yes to him? Would you come this morning? Would you pray for your grandchild? Would you pray for your child? Would you pray for your spouse? Would you pray for your friend or your classmate who's lost? Because he still is the only answer. To every question in this world, but to the most important one of how can a man, can a woman, can a boy, can a girl be saved? Only through Jesus. Allow him to do a work in your heart and in your life today. Lord, Heavenly Father, this morning I thank you. I thank you that from the foundation of the world you had a plan for our salvation. Lord, I am so thankful that you are the truth and that, Lord, you are the one who is responsible for us. That we are not an accident That life is not an accident. But it is here because of an intelligent designer who loves us. And wants a personal relationship with us. Oh Lord, thank you for that reality today. And I know I've got some friends here today. Some of them are younger than me. Some of them are my age. Some of them are older than me. But Lord, right now they know in their heart of hearts that they are lost. And they know they need a relationship with you. Lord, again... Hide me behind the cross. Allow only you to be seen and heard and understood this morning and help these young and old alike to come to you by faith and to be saved and to enter into that relationship that truly does change everything. To God be the glory. Oh, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.